Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and everything in between, welcome to another edition of The Ryan Show FM. This is your host, Ryan Vernell, here to join you for a two-hour encounter of the first kind. That's right. Although there's Chinese spy balloons and things that are beyond our realm of comprehension floating above us on this beautiful evening or on this beautiful morning, depending on where you're listening, just know that we're here to take your mind off the serious stuff and bring you to a place of sports and entertainment, especially an evening like tonight. If you're a regular listener of this program, you know that sometimes the show is music-centric and we'll bring on different rappers, people that we enjoy listening to that take our minds off things. But tonight, we're bringing some blasts from the past, including 90s MLB icon Greg Vaughn. He was part of the 1998 home run chase, which saw my hero as a child, Mark McGuire, crush Sammy Sosa. And unfortunately, Greg and everyone else that was involved in the home run race. But man, he took his team, which was unlike any of these other guys in the home run race, all the way to the World Series. All these great hitters in the National League, Barry Bonds, Sammy Sosa, Mark McGuire, yet... It was Greg Vaughn that led his team to the World Series, only to be crushed by the Yankees. But we'll get into that a little bit later. Also tonight, Ben Askren, who many people are familiar with for getting his ass kicked by Jake Paul. But if you're a real fan of fighting, you know Ben Askren as being a unicorn of sorts. We wanted to see this dude in UFC for years, and it was due to an ill-timed knee to the face that history was uh, unfortunately unraveled in such a way that we only got to see a few fights of Ben Askren. Although his first fight in the UFC, he did kick some ass and put Robbie Lawler in a nasty bulldog choke. That was pretty badass. But one of the great wrestlers of uh, NCAA history, really cool dude, and he took all of the jokes from Jake Paul really well. He played the face to the heel, I guess you could say, which was different than his role normally in UFC. It was a real talker of ish if you catch my drift but yeah folks we're gonna get right into it mr cheeks and hamptons dave are here in spirit tonight they can be followed on instagram at mr cheeks tv and at hamptons dave now before i lose my voice these guys still gotta get here this is the ryan show fm and we've got dj khalil producing and hitting you with the music tonight khalil let's get it started baby we'll be back On the boulevard, I landed. We used to kick routines, and the presence was fitting. It was I, the abstract, and me, the five footer. I kicks the mad style, so step off the Frankfurter. Yo, Fife, you remember that routine that we used to make spiffy like Mr. Clean? Um, um, a tidbit, um, a smidgen. I don't get the message, so you got to <laughs> okay. run the pigeon. You're on point, Fife. All the time, tip. You're on point, Fife. All the time, tip. You're on point, Fife. All the time, tip. But then grab the microphone and let your words rip. Now here's a funky introduction of how nice I am. Tell your mother, tell your father, send a telegram. I'm like an energizer cause you see I last long. My crew is never ever whack because we stand strong. Now if you say my style is whack, this way you're dead wrong. I slay that body and El Segundo then push it along. You be a fool to reply the fight was not the man. Cause you know and I know that you know who I am. A special shout out piece goes out to all my pals you see. And a middle finger goes for all you punk MCs. Cause I love it when you whack MCs despise me. They get vexed, I will next, cannot contest me. I'm just a fly MC who's 5 for 3 and very brave. On top remaining, no, I'm training 
because I misbehave. I come correct and full effect of all my holes in check. And before I get the butt, the gym must be a wreck. You see, my aura is positive. I don't promote no junk. See, I'm far from a bully and I ain't a punk. Extremity of rhythm, yeah, that's what you heard. So just clean out your ears and just check the word. Check the vibe. Was so rumping that the brothers rolled the zap. Hey yo, Tip, do you recall when we used to rock uh, those fly routines on your cousin's block? Um, let me see. Damn, I can't remember. I received the message and you will play the same. You're on point, Tip. All the time, Fife. You're on point, Tip. Yeah, all the time, Fife. You're on point, Tip. You're all the time, Fife. So play the resurrector yeah. and give the dead some life. Okay, if knowledge is the key, then just show me the lock. Got the scrawny legs, but I move just like Lou Brock with speed. I'm agile, plus I'm worth your while. 100% intelligent black child. My opera presentation sizzles the retina. How far must you go to gain respect? Um, well, it's kind of simple. Just remain your own or you'll be crazy, sad, and alone. Industry rule number 4080. Record company people are shady. So kids, watch your back, cause I think they smoke crack. I don't doubt it. Look at how they act. Look off the better things like a hip hop forum. Pass me the rock and I'll score them with the core and proper. What you say, hammer? Proper. Rap is not pop if you call it that and stop. Tell me who flopped, who copped the blue drop, who juice got pops, who mostly goes down to the blue drop. The same old pimp, mace, you know ain't nothing changed but my limp. Can't stop, top, see my name on the blimp. Guarantee me and shells, pull a level up. You don't believe in Harlem world, double up. We don't play around, it's a bet, lay it down. Didn't know me 91, bet they know me now. I'm the young Harlem with the Goldie sound. Can't no PG. Hold me down, cooler, school me to the game, now I know my duty Stay humble, stay low, blow like hootie True pimp, spin no dough on the booty And you yell, there go mace, there go your cutie Around be DOA, be on your way, cause it ain't enough time here. Ain't enough lime here for you to shine here. Deal with many women, but treat down spit. And I'm bigger than the city lights down in Times Square. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
DEA, federal agents mad cause I'm flagrant Tap myself and the phone in the basement My team supreme, stay clean Triple beam, miracle dream I'll be that, catch a seat at all events bent Send holsters, girls on shoulders, playboy I told ya, me and Mike's to me Bruise too much, I lose too much Step on stage, the girls boo too much I guess it's cause you run with lame dudes too much Me lose my touch, never that If I did, ain't no problem to get the where the true players at Throw your rollies in the sky, waving side to side And keep your hands high while I give your girl an eye Play it please, lyrically B.I.G.B. flossing, jig on the cover of Fortune, 500, it's my phone number, your man, I got the know, I got the dough, got the flow down, pizzack, black and plus, like zizzack, dangerous, on trizzack, leave your pizzack. Everybody. Thank you for joining us here for another edition of the Ryan Show FM. And we're sitting down with a goddamn legend. It is a great honor to introduce for the first time, and hopefully not the last time, one of the great fighters in our time. I've watched this man kick ass, choke dudes out, nearly break people's limbs. Welterweight icon Ben Askren is here on What's the Ryan up? Show FM. What's uh, happening, F- man? How are you tonight? I'm doing good. I taught some wrestling. I ate some dinner with my family. I uh, came downstairs, and now I can talk to you. Good stuff. And yeah. there's nothing like being able to sit back and enjoy the family, not be in the heat and swing of things. I mean, <laughs> especially after the craziness that you went through two years. You know, you're already already a celebrity yeah. and a well-known fighter, and it made your legend and made your mark. But I can imagine that was just a whole different leap into things. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I've kind of been, I don't want to say been in the spotlight. Obviously, there's all different levels of it. But, um, you know, I started out by winning some uh, state titles in high school. And that kind of got my, my name out there. Uh, and actually, we just had the state tournament. And our, our wrestlers won a whole bunch of state titles. So that was tremendous. Um, so, no, I, it actually didn't feel all that different to me. Like you said, back in high school, a tremendous wrestler. So, to, and, and in college, breaking records. In college. So, yeah, the spotlight, nothing new to you. But still, you know, it's that internet fame and the psychos that come with it that I can imagine being a little bit different because there's a bunch of people that know you for being amazing at your craft and then going into things with some young kid from YouTube. I could just imagine it being a little bit different. But in terms of your wrestling career in high school, um, just out of curiosity, because we do have a lot of like professional wrestlers on this program. I always okay. saw you as someone that could make that easy transition at this point in your life over to professional wrestling. Is that something you ever thought about? 
Uh, yeah. Well, I I've been friends with a guy named Jerry Briscoe for a long time. He used to always. That's my talk. dude, man. He's been. <laughs> I gotta say, it's one of the few dudes we've had on there. That's like of that era. Anyway, sorry to interrupt you. Oh, yeah, no, he's great. He's he's amazing. But he always told me back in like 2006, seven. You know when I was um at the peak of my college wrestling fame that if he's even said Ben, if you were 230 pounds, I could make you a million dollars a year. And, you know, I'm like, well, Jerry, I, I kind of just want to wrestle and I, I don't want to, uh, I don't want to do that type of wrestling and I'm not going to be 230 cause I'm not gonna do that many steroids. So, uh, thank you for the offer or kind of offer. Um, and then actually when I retired from my MMA career, um, they had him and triple H having come down to the performance center in Orlando. And it was just, I was just at a point in my life where I don't want to travel all the time. Uh, I really love what I do in coaching wrestling. I got a good family. We spend a lot of time together. And so it just wasn't like something I really had a lot of desire to do. I could see that. Do you, do you still look at it as just as serious competitively? Cause I know a lot of guys that have, you know, fought for real or where there's not a predetermined outcome. They just don't take it seriously at all. Um, you know what? I appreciate those guys for, for what they do. And when I went to the performance center, I got to do the, you know, behind the scenes for two or three days and kind of watch every part of it. Um, and it, it's something, it's obviously not competitive, but it is, it is something that takes a, a fair amount of skill to do. And it takes a lot of practice. And I got to watch them go through the practice of, you know, not just the in-ring movements, but, um, you know, the build up to it, the, the talking part of it. And all, all of those things. So um, I thought it was a blast. I, th- I think those guys are very well skilled. Um, but yeah, it's not something that uh, I'm going to get into. I can see that. And you mentioned not wanting to take steroids. <laughs> I can see that. I mean, I'm the total opposite, dude. I would take so many steroids if I could get away with it. Jesus. <laughs> well, who's testing you? You can probably do whatever you want. I Yeah, well, I guess I could probably get away with it. But people would notice. People around me, actually, I finally started working out at like 26 years old. People okay. question me instantly. They're like, Ryan, are you on steroids? They're like, no, I'm actually trying to get my life together slightly. <laughs> But yeah. in, t- in terms um, of your physique, dude, you're kicking people's asses. And I like to describe your body as that old school fighter bod, like someone yeah. that would get off like a Navy ship and break your neck with his bare hands kind of body. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Unfortunately, I was never I never had the body of like uh, a Greek god or anything. <clears throat> um, and I was actually a fat kid. I talked about that in my book. And when I was in fifth grade, no, I'm sorry, sixth grade, I decided I didn't want to be fat anymore. I actually lost 30 pounds. Um, wow. Wait, wait, yeah, hang on. Was, What's the story behind that? What sparked that at fifth grade? It, uh, it was. I just didn't want to be fat. I wanted to be really competitive in wrestling, and I realized that like I was carrying around a lot of extra weight that wasn't really beneficial to me. And so I made my parents buy all kinds of different groceries and all kinds of stuff, and uh, lost a whole bunch of weight. And I didn't get back to 130 pounds till my sophomore year in high school, right? And at that point, I was probably like you know eight inches taller, like a super skinny uh, kid. And then I kind of I kind of grew to my body after that. Uh, but yeah, never, never had the big bulging muscles, but I was always able to, uh, get out there and bring it. So what do you think the secret to taking a dude that looks like he's on steroids and suplexing him and uh, dominating him in the ring? What's the secret behind that? I don't think the, um, I don't think the really like, uh, good looking muscles, you know, like bodybuilder type. I don't know that it's all that conducive to fighting. Um, you know, if you just look at some of the guys who look, oh my, I mean, there was just that guy that two weeks ago that was, uh, oh my God, I don't remember what his name was. 
anyways, everyone will say like, oh my God, this dude's so freaking gigantic and huge. I bet he's going to be a beast. And then he was not a beast at all. He was totally wimpy and didn't fight very hard. So I don't think there's a high correlation between uh, how good you look uh, with your shirt off at the beach and your your fighting skills. And, you know, if you think about some of the really elite, elite, you know, Daniel Cormier doesn't really look all that yeah. good. Uh, you know, Jan Blockowitz, um, even like, uh, Pereira isn't like huge, you know, he just kind of a normal looking dude. And you kind of go through the list and, and a lot of them end up like that i just think about real life i feel like i always see the muscly dude get dropped by the guy that doesn't look like he's gonna knock him out it's the guy with the technique that and that's different obviously you know a street fight but that's what i related to recently i saw an instagram post of you essentially denouncing power slapping yeah I talking about how cool. it made no sense because the person essentially couldn't defend themselves and I agree, yeah. but the first thing I thought then was, man, would this be good for celebrities? Celebrity slap boxing or just regular people fighting? Look, regular people like me, I can't go in there and break somebody's arm or do any type of boxing, but maybe it would work for just regular people. I would like, I would pay to see regular, or what I'm saying is I'd rather see celebrities slapping each other in the face. I can see. Um, hmm. <laughs> Think about it. I don't know. It's just like, it's, uh, it's a sport that has, and listen, I, you know, like I said, I feel like I'm being semi-hypocritical because I am a fighter and I, I enjoy fighting. Um, but, man, they don't, they just have to stand there and just fucking wham, and they got to take it. And it's like, well, this is kind of sick. This is kind of sick that we're all watching this. Maybe the first time you're like, oh, man, that was wild. But then, like, the second or third time you're like, ugh. This is kind of weird. Like, why did this person come to this point in their life where they're okay with standing still and letting someone wham as hard as they can? You know, it's like... How do you get there? How do you how do work you, your way know. up the I mean, ladder? Maybe if someone paid me enough money. But then it came out that... Um, oh, my gosh. Who was that guy? The, guy? the one guy said they they wanted him to help him recruit. And they were offering, I think it was $2,000 to show up and $2,000 to win. Like, uh, that's especially once you pay your taxes. That ain't a lot of money for getting the crap knocked out of you. Yeah, that is wild. So that's the that's over that. Yeah, definitely intriguing to think that people are paying to see it. And what's strange to me, like, it's one thing for it to be some strange Russian league. I could see that happening in Russia, no problem. But for Dana White to be backing it up, that's what seems a little bit strange. I thought it would be such a quick flash in the pan kind of organization. I think that is actually crazy. What two months? I guess it's only been a couple months, but still a couple months. So it's longer than XFL was. Come on, (laughs) the first day. Now we're talking about like the fastest failure of all time. Oh, it was good though. Let's be honest, it was good back then. (laughs) They had Opie and Anthony run out and do the the post or the what is it the halftime show? It's a very weren't they going to bring the uh, XFL back at some point? They actually did. They did. And they put out a, a second iteration a couple of years ago, and then The Rock bought it, and now The Rock is you know moving what? it this year. Oh, so, so he's out there practicing head. with everybody. Yeah. Oh, all right, cool, good yeah, deal. That's right. So I mean, for what it's worth, you can still watch the XFL, but it's not like it used to be. Like I remember, it was like NFL Blitz. People were body slamming each other. It was all types of extra violence. Can't yeah. see that anymore. We have Ben Askren in studio. We're gonna go to a quick break. Play some music. Be back after that. Nobody go anywhere, folks. This is the Ryan Show FM, and we will return. Ryan Show FM. 
And when my time has come from staring at the barrel of a loaded my fate awaits the pearly gates above the golden sun And while they plan around their time with panoramic view A panic plan a life askew inside for you like I'm on explosive as an atom bomb Something like an act of God Better call the Pentagon Pen a penitentiary A bar so hard they never see like Penn and Teller Tell they better off and off And pick apart the acapella Kill it indefinitely Let it be Nothing I ever pretended to be That is just me Never competitively Put it in quotes Live it down to the bone I got no time for a phone Do what I know Living my life till I go Studio off to a show Living in gold Whoa. 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 Connected with the supporters They wanna see me crumble They gon' have to wait a long time Cause I'm getting this money And my mental health is all fine I know who with me I know who not I know what they got I know who just running their mouth I love to talk a lot And when it's all said and done I'm a stellar man But you and living With the world in the palm of my hand It's not a scam Never been a flash in the pan It's that jackpot Call it precious stones, fam Flow's one of the best I'm here to stay That's indefinitely Only a few MCs challenge the pin That's for certainly Merkin' these beats A gift to God and it was given to me Breaking down barriers, chopping enemies at the knees With ease, I be on they whole speed Blowing exotics under my shades, I'm looking Japanese Messing with these flows, just know there's nowhere to go What up? Cause ain't nobody out here My passport and all, I be crossing all borders All borders, connected with the supporters My passport and all, I be crossing all borders All borders, connected with the supporters My passport and all, I be crossing all borders All borders Connected with the supporters, my passport and all I'll be crossing all waters, all waters, connected with the supporters. Since I'm more, I used to run the block, now I'm corporate Hopping out, you know with sun when the doors lift Whole squad hot the burners Mets hat in the sky like Bobby Smurder They watch me like the chip, court side at the rucker Flow only getting tougher, she begging me to cuff her Brooklyn sweet chick, waffles with raspberry butter Wear a mink at the roller rink, middle of the summer If I can't get it done, I got soldiers with me to cover Queens get the money, we only stacking it up with Stay icy, cause get spicy She on demon time, I get her a timepiece Panic, not lit, not like me Can't get nothing by me, my mind in 2090 K-L-O-K-A by Pricey Cost money, beat the charge money Fast money, push the start money Large money, Escobar money uh, Little advice, always add spice Always get the liquor with the ice I don't give a that's why Fuck a bag any and it's all white nice uh, Dang right uh, If she tell me No I'm getting tight Look Every time you saw me I was nice hey. Every time I saw you You was light uh, Every you will look like a tight Look uh, uh, I mean she might Might not never be my type No She might never be my type Look That trash I only f*** her for the hype uh, I only f*** for the hype Look Kalo K A by Pricey Cost money Beat the charge money Fast money Push the start money Large money Escobar money Sanford back But I been with the 
Might yeah. make a grill with Tiffany's on my gentleman. My right. drill out in Brooklyn and they spinning it. Yeah. Pop and pop out the whip while we sipping it. Model that's precise. Tenders off the flights. Keep the vision through the lights. Never blinded by the hype. Yeah. Keep the Tommy near the belly. Sincere cause I'm hype. Got a ghetto Naomi Campbell designer with the Nikes. I'm the one talking spice. 12 year old killers with the guns and the knives. Better run for your life. Got a queen and queens and my ex a Puerto Rican spice. All of doing time getting caught up with the swipes. Kalo K, A by Pricey. Cost money, beat the charge money, fast money, push the start money, large money, Escobar money. Hey boy, we got another one. Pricey. Nasha Thomas, Fabio, ASAP Ferg. And we are back with yeah. MMA legend Ben Askren here on the Ryan Show FM. And Ben, we're going to get right into it. What is it that made you choose Bellator over UFC way back in the day? Being so accomplished and, you know, such a yeah, high value well, agent. It wasn't even a choice. Um, I had, you know, back in that day, they weren't really signing anyone who was zero and zero. So I actually promoted my first two fights. My third fight, I just literally put out a line to a bunch of people. I said, like, I will fight for almost free. Uh, I was complaining about the slap boxes fight for free. But I knew I was going to beat anyone who wasn't, like, at a really high level. So I just need to get some wins under my belt in order to be picked up by a bigger organization because they weren't signing anyone who was, you know, zero and zero, one zero, that type of people. So I won my third fight. And at that point, Bellator um, reached out and it was season two when they were doing the tournament. And they said, hey, you can make a hundred grand in three fights. And I thought, I've only made $400 my last fight. hundred thousand in three fights. And it was three fights in three months. So I'm like, that sounds pretty damn good. Um and, you know, obviously that came with the thing. If you win it, then you are fighting for the belt and then you get a longer extended contract. Uh, but I would say my time at Bellator was pretty good. I enjoyed it. Um, it was where I was really like learning how to fight because, you know, I entered the Bellator tournament like less than a year after I started fighting. So when I started the Bellator, I didn't really know what the hell I was doing. Um, and it gave me time to kind of figure everything out. Now, ideally, after Bellator, I would have transitioned and went right to the UFC, but obviously that didn't work out, um, and, and I ended up at one championship. Um, so it wasn't really a choice in the beginning. It was more like the only offer I had was Bellator. It was uh, you know what I thought was a good offer at that point, and I was more than happy to go fight. You were like a unicorn, though, when you came into UFC, because for years, everybody wanted to see yeah. you in UFC. Was there a reason that you didn't wait too long? I'd imagine Bellator no, was hanging was, on to um, you as long as they could. Like I said, Dana, Dana, I talk about this a lot in my book. You guys can where's my yeah. damn book? Oh, hold on. I'm going to give you. That's hold what we're going to ask for. So you just, that's it. That's it. We're okay, right here. Okay. So this is my book. The first chapter. Oh, geez. The first chapter is actually uh, the trade. So I, I am the one and only trade that's ever happened in mixed martial arts. Um, but so I, for Demetrius Johnson, that was that was crazy when that yeah, went exactly. down. Yeah, exactly. So exactly. So when, when in 2013, when I finished the Bellator, ideally I would have made a transition, went right to UFC, and Dana did not sign me at that. Did not want to sign me at the time, and yeah. everyone knew his reasons were bullshit. It was like he, uh, you know, he he hasn't competed enough. He doesn't want to fight the tough guys. He's making all these really, really stupid excuses. Um, and so I went to one championship because I did never get enough from the UFC. And then in 2017, it was just like, hey, I've been doing this for a long time. I've won everything I can win. Uh, I'm retiring. I'm done, you know. And I was actually still on a contract for uh, either one or two more bouts with one championship. Um, 
And so I told everyone when I retired, hey, if I, you know, if I have the opportunity to go fight the best guys in the world, meaning anyone who's above me, I think I was six or seven at the time, then I'll, I will unretire and do that. Um, I didn't know how that was going to happen uh, because it was just like <laughs> the trades don't happen, you know. And, and that's how, how does that happen? Like, can, do you I, have any choice over that? Uh, no. They, well, I mean, they called me. They said, "Hey, are you good with this?" I said, "Yes, I'm more than good with it." Because that was the one thing that I wanted to do was go fight the best guys. And I hadn't had the opportunity to do that yet. Um, so you didn't demand for a trade. Because now in sports, you see these athletes demanding for trades. They'll do anything. they more in mixed martial arts. I think it'd be so much fun. And, you know, ours happened in, in the end of 2018. That's been a long time. And they haven't done another one. And I think it's cool, right? Because wow. so, well, one of the big things about fighting is like, how would this guy do with this guy? But we never got to see them exactly. mix it up because – you know, organizational issues or, or whatever. Um, so I think, I think it'd be a good idea for, for MMA organizations to do more trading. It'd be really cool. Yeah, that would absolutely be sick. Um, so in terms of now, I mean, we just saw what happened the other night. How happy are you to see Jake Paul finally lose a fight? Oh, I didn't really care. No, I try not to waste any mental energy on things that aren't actually going to affect my life. And um, Jake Paul winning or losing doesn't really affect my life. So uh, I heard he lost. I heard it was relatively competitive, I guess, is what people said. Um, yeah, so it'll be interesting to see where he goes from here. Well, I'm excited to see what you're, you've got going on. You're going to be teaching kids. We've got, we've got the book coming out. So yeah. now that you have this book out, what's an unexpected result of sitting there and putting together – your life's work inside of a inside of a, a piece of paper, or many pieces yeah, of paper. Yeah. That's incredible in itself. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I had a good time writing it. It was uh, the guy who was my ghostwriter who worked with me on Chuck Mendenhall. He's awesome, so he was really fun, and he has a lot of knowledge about the history of mixed martial arts. Um, and he was able just to kind of capture my voice so well. I was like so impressed by how good he is at it. Um, and those it was just fun, kind of going back. And there's even like some stories that you. Like you forget, and then you just, you know, by talking and talking and talking through it, you kind of dig them up. You're like, oh, man, I forgot that happened. And, you know, even there's certain things that were, like, really pivotal in your life. You know, like one, there was this one where um, I told – I didn't even put this on the book. I remember after the book was already out, um, where a coach essentially said he watched my film, and he said, hey, this guy's never going to be a good college wrestler. You know, and then I was, like, the best college wrestler. And it was – I kind of used it as a story to tell kids, like, look – even when at that point I was 17, even when I was 17 and a college recruiter looked at my film and this is a, this isn't a jackass on, on Twitter, right? This is a college recruiter. He knows what he's doing yeah, exactly. and he still says, Hey, that guy's not very good. And you know, I ended up being the best. So like See that? you can make a huge amount of progress later in, in your careers. How does that not make the book? I don't know. That's, like a, know that's a huge yeah. motivator. I had told that story a whole bunch and then maybe I just hadn't told in a while. And I just like, kind of forgot about it and then yeah there's actually a place where it would have fit really perfectly and i i don't know i just blanked it out all of the greats have that story from paul mccartney to michael jordan to ben Askren. now reflecting that you've written all this yeah. stuff down is there something that you wish you had done or something that you now have to do after putting all that down no. on paper do you look back and think damn this i, I gotta do this now no i mean honestly I, I do i look back and i think wow i had such a great career um it turned out everything turned out so well even though you know it wasn't perfect it wasn't undefeated but it was really really good um and I, I mean i think the one thing that i wish would have happened but again i have no control over it so it's not really worth thinking all that much about 
Oh, is that, I heard my daughter cry. Oh, is that uh, I wish I would have gotten to go to the UFC in 2013. Mm. Yeah, when, when I when I initially left Bellator, that would have been really ideal. For MMA fans, I'm sure we all feel the same way. Yeah. To see yeah, that was, Ben Askren. That would have been awesome. But you know, you can't time travel, and it didn't happen. I wish it would have happened. Um, and that was really the one. All right. Well, Ben, I appreciate your time. It's been an honor to sit down with you. And, oh, hey, what's up? I guess the parents. There we go. Andy, what do you want to say? Hey, she's got her gymnastics Hi. outfit on. Nice. Andy's there funny. You want to tell him a joke, Andy? You don't want to tell him a joke? Break a joke. We need a joke. It's a comedy show. Oh, I'm not funny God. enough tonight. Come on, Andy Cat. Oh, she's usually pretty funny. Um, yeah, I appreciate you having me on. You guys, can, everyone can check out my book. You know, I really go through the process of how, you know, I went from um a, a not very good wrestler slash athlete to someone who achieved it at a really high level i kind of try to talk about my thought process all the way through that from the beginning to the end um and then obviously at the end i was you know unfortunately at the end i had to deal with some failure and then how you know, how i dealt with failure and how i moved on and um you know i think i think i did it in a really healthy way where i just i moved forward in my life and i have other things that i really enjoy doing and want to work on and you handled it well, that's for sure. Very humble teaching the kids, and I see you giving uh, good lessons down to the kids because that's what it really comes down to is how do you handle the losses and the failures. Yes. That's when you really see somebody's They're going to they're gonna happen in your life. Everyone's going to have them. Sometimes it's not till you're much older. Luckily, you went a long time without a loss. So, Ben, appreciate you very much. Everybody, don't go nowhere. We've got Greg Vaughn coming next. MLB preview on the way. We'll see you soon, folks.
are back. This is Ryan Vernell speaking, which means only one thing. You're listening to The Ryan Show FM, and this is the return of Greg Vaughn. Out goes Ben Askren, knocked out of here. No pun intended. Love Ben Askren, by the way. <laughs> and in comes Greg Vaughn. Man, it's good to have you back. Hey, Ryan, you know, it's always good to be on your show, man. Good to see you. You know, you know, makes me reminisce about all those good times we had. You know, just, yeah, it's always good to see your face, man. For good sure. times both virtually you you make appearances on the show all the time at this point a true regular of the show but also in real life mr cheeks and i took that flight out to vegas went and visited you at your at your place that you own restore i wear the shirt all the time by the way tell us a little bit more really quick before we get into it about restore and what you have going on out there in vegas well you know it's a hyper wellness center you know it's a one-stop shop you know it's all about recovery, you know, and it's not just yeah. for the athlete. It's, it's for it's for everybody. You know, it's a way of life now, especially after COVID, you know, uh, you know, you know, especially these millennials and, and people your age, you know, you know, it's all about health. And I think, you know, it's a good thing. It's a good thing for everyone to think about health. You know, we have cryo, we have hyperbaric chambers, we have red light therapy, we have IVs, we have uh, ultra red saunas. Uh, so it's a. Uh, the compression, you know, every IV you can think of, you know, from NAD plus to, to all of it. And all of it's legal, you know what I mean? It's all vitamins. But it's a way to, you know, to keep you on your feet and keep you going so you can get your maximize, maximize your, your workout and your routine and, and just your, your daily life and do it in a timely fashion, you know. And, you know, we have estheticians with cryofacial, body sculpting. We have, we have it all, one-stop shop. And, uh, you know, it, it's something that, I wish I would have had instead of those cold tubs. You know, that's all we had in trainers. You know what I mean? That's now what I was going to say. That's why athletes now are able to reach some of these heights because of the recovery process. Oh, no doubt for sure, man. I mean, you know, the knowledge and the, uh, and the know with all that we have now about our body, you know, it goes back to James Harrison saying he spent, you know, up to $500,000 a year, on his body, you know, so, you know, he got the ultimate uh, performance out of himself. And, you, you know, look at LeBron, you know, look, look what he's yeah. been able to do as, except for, you know, hurting his foot yesterday. But yeah, besides that, I, you know, you know, to play 20 something years in the NBA and to, you know, play at the level that he plays at, I mean, you know, his, his team's important. You look at Tom Brady, you look, you know, look at all the guys now, man, you know, they're able to tra uh, travel and have, you know, a team to keep them on the field and tell them what they need every single day. And then, you know, I, all that's a good thing, man. When you're talking about prolonging life and maximize the ability of your life to the fullest, all those things are good. What gets me though, Greg, is the contrast between some of these guys that last forever. You see like a Bartolo Cologne out there still kicking. Like, I don't know what that guy's on, but he was still out there. And then you see guys like Nolan Ryan back in the day, I know he could throw the ball about 150 miles an hour, <laughs> but still, yeah, there's definitely more people. Now you look at the Mets just signing Verlander for two years and it's not even crazy. I know he just won the Cy Young award, but I remember when the Mets had signed Pedro, there was a little bit of a decline there. What do you think is going to happen as we go into the season, by the way, with this Verlander signing, now he's playing for the New York Mets. You think we're going to see him have just as much success playing in the national league? Yeah, yeah. You know what? Who knows, man? You know what? Like I said, these guys take care of themselves. You know, they have all the information. But not, not only that, but the teams. You know, the organizations, they're set up 
for these guys that succeed. You know, they have sleep rooms, you know what I mean? You know, sleep we fell asleep rooms. on the training table. They have sleep rooms. They have all types of rooms for these guys to, you know, maximize their, their ability. You know, what the hell is a sleep them. room? Why have I never heard about this? What's a hey, sleep room? Hey, hey, it's pitch black, man. It's the ultimate sleep, I guess. You know, and uh, I, 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 I don't know. Like I said, they don't left. You know, there's no stone unturned. You know what I mean? It's a, it's it's definitely you know every stone is, it, it's thought about. You know they, you know from the, you know the little things. You know to you know even in minor league ball. You know with me it was. You know, we had soup and orange slices and peanut butter. It was a place you didn't want to stay. Now, minor league ball, you know, they eat like big leaguers, you know. So it's, you know, what are they trying to get out? You know, that is the big leagues for some guys. You know what I mean? So, yeah. like I said, no, no stones left unturned. You know, they, they have rest days now. That's why, you know, like I respect Manny Machado so much because Manny doesn't take days off. Manny plays every single day. So people talk about, you know, the contracts and contract extension. Manny deserves all of it, man. He plays every single day. He goes out there and the best third baseman or, you know, top two. And, you know, he could have been MVP any of these last three or four years. I mean, you know what you're getting every single day out of him. And he leads and he plays hard. And, you know, he plays with a passion. You know, that's why, you know, when people boo you, that's a sense of respect. You know what I mean? For sure. Yeah, he's one of the, like, for me, I always like guys that have an attitude and just say it how they're, really more important, just say it how it is. And they're not afraid to say what's on their mind. And a great play for him to not even really do it in an angry way. We see what athletes are doing these ways, forcing their way out of town. Just said what he wanted, and he received it. Like you said, he damn well deserves it. He can do it all. I can't believe that he's only a two-time gold glove winner. I was looking at that today. Because he's always making just incredible plays forever at third base. Now, do you think that a guy that is playing every day has a greater risk of getting hurt? And now he signed this 11-year contract. What are your thoughts on the length of the contract? You know, good for him. You know what? Because so many times, you know, a player does get hurt or, you know, you don't get a 11-year contract. You get a two-year contract. And, you know, you get up there in age. You know, you know, you don't, you're not a pitcher and, you know, you get to, you know, mid thirties and they release you. So, you know, mm. I'm, if the owners couldn't afford it, if the organizations, if the game couldn't afford it, the contracts would not be what they are. And, you know, I tell people all the time, you know, Oprah makes what she makes, you know, Sylvester Stallone makes what he makes, you know, you know, they're all, we're all entertainers, yeah. but our, you know, our life expectancy is so much shorter than, you know, those people I just mentioned, you know, it's a situation where, you know, we have to maximize and get our, everything we can get. And, you know, the years that they're going to give us because those extra, after this, you know, after it's all over with, you know, they, especially people of color, they forget about us a little bit, you know what I mean? It's just throw you to the side and, you know, thank you for your service. They paid us, you know, so no hard feelings, but at the same time, you know, I'm not mad at anybody, man, making what they make, you know, if they couldn't afford to pay it, they wouldn't pay it. I just feel like the MLB is horrible at marketing their players. On a different note, you mentioned them forgetting. Some of these guys that have such lore around them, Ken Griffey Jr., Barry Bonds, it doesn't matter whether or not they have these allegations of whatever or not against them. 
there's just no money that goes into preserving their amazing legacy. Guys like yourself, even some of the Yankee greats back in the day, where you, whereas you look at the NBA, they do such a good job, even the NFL, and just putting a spotlight on some of the greats of the past. I feel like the MLB does a piss poor job in that, from the outside looking in at least. Well, I appreciate you for saying that, but you know, baseball is, you know, it's not, you know, it's not hip hop. It's not the culture, you know, you know, as you look at minor league baseball now, you look at the last, you know, couple of drafts, you see all the people of color getting drafted. So baseball was prominent in the black African-American communities growing up. And it's, it's, we're slowly, but surely trying to get back there, you know, CC, you know, Marquise Grissom, you know, I mean, Jerry Manuel, I mean, you got so many guys trying to to preserve, you know, the culture that we had in the history of the game, and we're we're slowly starting to get back into it. But I know playing little league in California, and having two boys, and I mean, just to join the team is you know five hundred dollars, you know, and then you play a travel wow. team, that's another three or four thousand dollars, you know, and. You know, that, that prices us out a lot of the time, you know. So if we don't have organizations, you know, which MLB is trying to, trying to do a better job at, of trying to create leagues and organizations to help the, you know, the kids of color, you know, the African-Americans. And, you know, it's slowly starting to change a little bit, you know. So hopefully in the next few years we'll start to see not only players, but you'll start to see more managers. You know, Dusty Baker, you know, that's the godfather. He's from my hometown. And. You know, you got him and, you know, Dave Roberts is the only two and you got a handful of coaches, you know, on staff. So it's, it's not only the players, but like you said, there's a lot of guys that I was taught, I was taught by, you know, former major league players, you know, whether it's Ben Ogilvie or Cecil Cooper, you know, you know, it was, it was, it was people that played the game and it, and it definitely is a benefit from having them teach you how to play. You know what it seems to me, once again, from outside looking in, just a fan growing up in the 90s and whatnot, I feel like baseball was cool back in the 60s. Baseball was cool in the 70s. Reggie Jackson. Baseball was cool in the 80s. 86 Mets. Wild boys. Like, we, we looked at baseball players as cool. 90s. Home run race. Guys like yourself. Sosa. McGuire. There was just a pop culture flair to it that it seems to fail to capture in this day and age for whatever reason. And it is basketball as you know, sometimes it might seem they whine and complain a bit, but that seems to be where like the coolness is basketball, football, but the, the lore of American baseball, you know, up until like the mid two thousands, that's just where it was at. So I feel like maybe it is that there needs to be an influx of African American players to make it more cool. I don't know what it is, but even even without race, I feel like there was just a certain element of coolness to it that and charisma that a lot of these baseball players had that they just don't seem to have in this day and age. Well, well, like, like I said, I think it's starting to get back. You know, we're starting to get back there. I wouldn't say I mean, we have a long way to go for sure. I mean, but like I said, you know, we weren't playing little league. You know, our little leagues would fold. You know, mm -hmm. we'd have four or five teams. You know, everyone moved to the suburbs, and we were still stuck in the city. And our little leagues would go away, you know. So, you know, then you had four or five dads coaching. So you got three or four positions for everybody else, you know. And, you know, you know, why am I going to sit out here for four, five, four hours and have to do the field and not play? You know, play two innings, you know what I mean? It's, 
unfortunately, baseball is one of those sports, man. I, I still see it to this day. And I see it in high school. I see it in college. It's, you know, it's it's like some sense of keeping us down. You know what I mean? They don't yeah. let us be ourselves. Yes. They, yes. They, they don't let us be ourselves. They're doing it now with the rule changes. They're even now with the rule changes. Okay, so Greg, have you seen the Savannah Bananas? Do you know what I'm talking about? The Savannah Bananas. It's entertaining as hell. I love it. They've got MLB legends. Hopefully, like yourself, is there any chance we're going to see you as a Savannah Banana, by the way? Uh, uh, Probably not. Savannah's probably the the hottest place I've ever been in my life, too. But I'm not going to be a Savannah Banana. I know they just had Johnny out there for like an at-bat. They'll like bring guys on for like day contracts, whatever. But it's cool, and it goes viral, and the kids want to see it. They're out there dancing. They have the umpire dancing. I'm not saying that the MLB should be or MLB should be doing anything like this, but for them to put shot clocks on, you saw how the Braves game ended just the other day. The Braves Red Sox game ends in a shot clock violation. That's not cool. When I go to a baseball game, I want to be hammered. I want to be enjoying myself. I want to just take it all in. You know what I'm saying? I'm there for the peanuts and the cracker jacks. I don't care if I if I ever go back, you know. And now they're just making it so that it's it's so they take the personality out of it when they when they force more rules on things. How do you feel about these new rule changes? You know they've been making them for years, you know, and uh, I, I don't know. I the one rule I wish we would have had was start with a man on second base in extra innings. You know that would give. <laughs> oh my god! That, 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 that would have been lovely. You know what I mean? Wait, but, so you so you so, like that rule as a player, as a former player? You you? Think- no, I don't like it. But I, 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 that's one that I would like, though. I would like that rule because shoot, I get a chance to come up with a guy on second base and end the game like that. that that's that's lovely. Yeah, I guess you know as I mean? a hitter, yeah, exactly. If you're Greg Vaughn, that's a yeah. good rule. But if you're watching the game, it's the worst thing ever. I'm sorry, I, I it's crazy to me. Yeah, you know, like I said, it's, you know, I'm sure, you know, baseball has their reasons for what they do, you know, uh, just like everyone else. We'll see if it speeds up the game, you know, because everything else they tried to do didn't really work as far as speeding up the game. You know, uh, we'll see what happens with with that. I just, you know, now with the, the clock, it's just not going to affect the bad teams because a lot of times they make a lot of rule changes, but they only affect the bad teams because that's when they they apply those rules you know they pick and choose to bring them out so this way you know there'll be some parity where everyone have to you know go by the same rule you know uh, manny's first at bat the other day he had strike one because he took too long to get in the box so yeah you, the- you know what i mean crazy i, I just don't I, you know you know you know as a player i like the national league a lot better than american league back then because Everything was faster. The game was a faster-paced game, and I like that. But we'll see how it works. You know, uh, I think what the pitcher has eight seconds to, or nine seconds, or something to come up and get ready to throw a pitch after the hitter's ready, or something like that. So I don't. We'll, we'll see. You know what? You know the bigger bases. I, I I don't know. You know I don't. I don't know how a bigger base is that going to create more offense because the guy's going to be safer. You know, safe on that bang bang play. You know, I, is it, are the calls going to go more offensive? I, I, I don't know. There's you know, pickoff changes. Um, you know, you know <laughs> what it really is that, uh, to me, it's just that it, it changes the definition of the game. Something like putting a runner on second base and extra innings. We're, we're taught in Little League 
uh, about extra innings. And that's just a major rule change to me. Even the shot clock, I kind of understand in terms of television time, whatever. I still don't agree with it at all. I love watching the stare downs. Like, that's all part of the game to me. Like, it's not like we're there to watch a high paced game. I don't know. I guess like that's just a state of mind in, uh, that I'm going into when I'm watching the baseball game. Um, but yeah, to me, it's changing the the substance of the game when you're making such a major rule change. I feel like there's got to be some more mild rule changes that could be made that'll still speed up the game. But hey, what do I know? Well, you, I'm just somebody down the radio. No, but you're a historian of baseball. You know what I mean? You, you love the game of baseball, so you love the history of baseball. So anytime we see a change, it has to make sense. And exactly. for a lot of people, it doesn't make sense. You know, for some people... It does make sense. You know, some pitchers like to work fast and, you know, make the the batter a little bit more uncomfortable, you know, where some guys like to take exactly. a long time getting in the box, you know, to, you know, you know, the ruffle the feathers of a pitcher. But, you know, we'll see. But you got to remember, too, I think the most important thing is even when I played, we were ready to go and we couldn't go yet because they had to wait for the commercials to get done and for them to come back. Wow. That's the part that's being left out. You know what I mean? It's it's that part. You know, hold on, you guys can't throw a pitch yet. You know, or don't get in the box yet. We're not back. That's you know, you crazy. I don't, you don't think you about another, that. Yeah, that's crazy. You, you got another 30, 30, 40 seconds to come back from a commercial. Damn. So there were some guys that it, you just must have been frightened going up against. I don't know about you, but I remember being a kid and being horrified by Randy Johnson. Just seeing him standing up there and he's throwing the ball, that sidearm could just whip you in the face at any time. It looks so fast. So before we go to a quick break, I must ask, what was it like hitting against Randy Johnson? You know, Randy was tough, man, but I, you know, I'm, I'm from South Sacramento. He put his pants on like I did, you know, worst case scenario, I got hit by the ball. You know what I mean? Love that. He put one leg at a time in his pants, just like I did. And, you know, intimidation is a big part of the game, but, you know, hitters, we try to intimidate too, you know what I mean? And, and so it's a situation where, you know, I think everyone has a little bit of fear or butterflies, whatever it is, that motivates them. But you definitely definitely can't show weakness, you know what I mean? I got to pray on that. Never. Never. Hell no. So there was no, no pitcher ever. Instead, you were the one that was delivering fear into the pitcher. I like that answer. Well, I tried to, you know, just as, you know, there's a lot of pitchers that probably say, facing him, he struck no fear into me. Also, you know what I yeah. mean? So, you know, it's uh, it's just one of those things I'm not going to ever admit to. Was I comfortable <laughs> against everybody? No. But was I scared? Probably not. <laughs> and there's your answer. We got Greg Vaughn here on the Ryan Show for, I don't know, we've lost track how many times at this point, but don't go anywhere because we will both be back. <laughs> Good music on the way, folks. Let's get it. What's up, party people? Ryan Vernell here. Fun fact, if I spend money on food, there's only one place I do so outside of Trader Joe's. That's the Rolling Joint Food Truck. Why? Because it's the greatest food I've ever tasted in my life. I prayed to God asking for a cheese sauce, and God delivered. Dope sauce. It's the greatest sauce you'll ever taste in your life. Mix it with bacon jam. You've got yourself a full body orgasm. The Rolling Joint Food Truck is located at 3333 Sunrise Highway in Wontog. Where is that? Right off of Sunrise Highway 27. Head west. It's on the right side of the road. You can't miss them. A big green food truck with weed leaves all over it and flags just announcing that they're huge potheads and that they're obviously making the greatest food ever. When you stop by, give my personal favorite sandwich there a try. That's the hippie chicken, a chicken sandwich deep fried and coated in corn pops. It's insane. 
all my Long Island people, meet us at the Rolling Joint Food Truck, 3333 Sunrise Highway in Wontog. That's Friday and Saturday, 5.30 p.m. till 12.30 a.m. and Sunday, 5.30 p.m. to 11.30 p.m. Let's smoke, fly, and I'll see you there.